M. Rossiano. You can do it. If you're worried you can't do it, I'm here to tell you, you can. And Michael Lucas. I can no longer fit into most pants, so I've taken to wearing drawstring board shorts, even though it's <laughs> This is M. Salation. My vision has been through a lot. She deserves organic cotton and breathable fabrics. I don't want her to have anything to She's now in some kind of horrible paper toweling hell. Like, it's not good. She's no. probably going to, like, get really upset with me. You're in Emsolation. Well, hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, and together with my best friend since I was 11, a beloved Australian screenwriter, Mr. Michael Lucas, not the porn star, the screenwriter. Although, as we have stated, when you used to Google Michael Lucas, the porn star would come up first and now Michael Lucas, the screenwriter, comes up first. If that's not an achievement in itself... And look, we just chat about all things uh, pop culture, politics, princesses. This week, we really talk about princesses. I I watched uh, Diana the Musical, this stunning masterpiece that is Diana the Musical. It is the most cursed, cooked thing I've ever seen. Um, and I gave it five stars. We really give you a thorough review. You may not even feel you need to watch it after hearing our review, but look, there's no spoilers. You all know the story of Princess Di, unless you're my daughter, Marcella, who watched Diana the Musical learning the story of Di as they sung. And look, it wasn't altogether accurate. But God, it was fun. Um, how are you? How's your week been? This is going to be a super short intro because Michael and I yabbered on today. Something like, I think it was a 50 minute record. We were just chat, 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 chatting. Um, I just want to say a big hello, hello to all the frontline healthcare workers. I've had a lot of interactions with you this week. I had a very eye-opening week, as a lot of you know, <laughs> within the media and within my own Instagram account. Um, I decided I wanted to give my platform to frontline healthcare workers, specifically ICU nurses and docs. And also I just want to acknowledge, of course, paramedics and pharmacy workers and clerical staff and ward nurses, of course, all the frontline healthcare workers. But I wanted to specifically tap into the people who are dealing with COVID patients face to face, because I felt like you guys haven't actually had a direct line to the public. There's a lot of politics around the information that gets out. I know that hospitals are a very political place. Don't worry. I know that. My mum worked in one and um, I know quite a few nurses and doctors and I know there's a lot of things that go on there. But I just wanted to give you a streamline to the public and it was just so eye-opening and I had – and I want you to know there's it's saved as a highlight on my Instagram story uh, if you want to go and see them. But I want you to know if you did share your story – with me and I put it up. You made a difference because I received, I think I would, I would say over a hundred, probably yeah, hundred messages of people who were vax hesitant and seeing the stories spurred them on to book an appointment to get vaccinated, to get their first jab. So that worked, that made a difference. It, and it was just honest, straight talk from the people, you know, on the front line of the war. So thank you for that. Thank you for being a part of it if you're in, involved in that. And um, like I said, buy coffees for them, whatever they need, give them a pay rise. And clearly that's the big thing. It's like, yeah, that's great. We know we're heroes, but we'd like to be paid what we're worth. That was the over, overwhelming message I got. Um, obviously things got a bit prickly for me in the media this week. We're, Michael and I touch on that. And we also talk about Adele. Oh, God, we love it. She's on the front cover of two Vogue's casually. Did a 
an amazingly chaotic Instagram live, which we talk about. So there's lots to get to, so I'm not going to keep you. I just wanted to say uh, hello to all the frontline healthcare workers and thank you. Thank you very much. And also special shout out to my community, uh, especially on the Insulation Facebook group, um, the Insulators there. I know you all have my back this week and I do feel stronger and braver having my community out there changing narratives of certain news outlets that want to peddle bullshit about me. Same old, same old. You guys know the truth. And I don't know, I feel buoyed and I feel like I've got my army of amazing humans to um, go to bat for me, which is really important and wonderful and I thank you. All right, let's get to it. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. Wow. Look at you. You've got a lot of height in your hair today. Another metamorphosis for your hair. Uh, it's just that I've I've just had a shower. That's what's happened there. But also I've that. had a shower. That's what you get when you combine no haircut for months and shower. My, <laughs> it really is completely shapeless, stylus, and all over the place at the moment. No, it's Josh Lyman-esque. West, West Wing, Wing Circus Caesar 2. Season 2. Yeah. It really is. That's appropriate because I feel like I have just been overworked wandering around hallways going in circles a lot of the time. So Wearing I feel connected to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do wear a backpack. I've got it right here. <laughs> you do. You do. Um, you're on the last day of five bedrooms in the production or, office. Yes. Yes, the mm-hmm. last time I'll be sitting here in this office. And, and but before behind me there was all the headshots. They've been all taken mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. It's that last mm-hmm. little thing, unplugging all the extension cords, taking off all the blue tack. Oh, well done, though. I say to you, sir, Yeah. well done. I you know. did it because you were limping to the line. Limping. <laughs> still am, still am hobbling, still am hobbling along. I know. And and what, how much have we asked it in? And we're gonna and then we're gonna get like one week of lockdown, and then the world's gonna open up. <laughs> oh. Are you ready? I I mean, the case numbers are obviously off their heads, and we're still, from what I assume, are we still opening up as normal on October twenty fourth? Yeah, I think if not earlier, and uh, you know, but I think I think that we are statistically, it looks like we're over the peak at the moment, and we're starting to come down. And so the hope is because our vaccination rates are surging, that 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 will that trend will continue, and yeah, we'll be let out. And it it, it is it's a really strange one. It's like our our hospital crisis is going to hit at the point, the exact point when we're suddenly all sort of let out to a certain extent to be I free. Know. I need a roadmap out of no social interaction. I need a five-step roadmap as to how to be in a group of people again because... And you've got to take it slowly because do you remember last... So after the last mega lockdown that Melbourne had, our M and I, our first social event was together and it was with Kat Stewart and Doris Inane and we, it was like a group mm. of about eight people and we went out for dinner because we were so excited. Mm. And I am not someone that's prone to any kind of social anxiety or anything like that, but I had this weird moment when we sat down where I started to almost feel like I was getting a migraine coming on because I just... Mm. I, my brain had forgotten how to like 
might follow multiple conversations at once and different people talking over each other. And I found it really – I got over it and the Negroni yeah. certainly helped. But <laughs> for about 25 minutes I was having like physical symptoms of I can't handle this, I can't handle this. Mm, I know. It was your birthday, which is right. rolling around I again know. in My a couple birth, weeks. At the moment, that 80% double dose in Victoria mm. lands mm. on my birthday. Well, you know, Marcella's birthday is October 24. Amazing. So release date falls on her birthday. But, I mean, I, I'm really anxious about it. But I know my first big social outing will be for your birthday. So that's fine. And we'll be dressed up. So it's appropriate. My, my first big social outing after last year's big lockdown was your birthday and here we are again. I think so. you should do, I think you should inject a couple of steps before that though. I know what you mean. I don't know. That's I'm just all a, or nothing. I I'm know. all or nothing. You know that. My kingdom to occupy the lands between all or nothing, that beautiful place where people are just chill and they come in at half strength and they build up to things. <laughs> I know not of this land. I know not of it. I am the queen of nothing or all, and that is how it's, it will it's always It's either be. at home in the dark and a flannel yep. onesie straight to the Met Ball red carpet. <laughs> is essentially the poles. Exactly. Now, I, oh, God, I had a wonderful experience the other night, unexpected. It had been an interesting day where I had been pitted in the media as an unsupportive bully, and... Um, We'll touch on that later. And I needed something just to take the edge off. And so I sat down and I thought, I'm going to watch Diana the Musical on Netflix. Hello. I'm Diana. (laughs) I think that's going to take more than the edge off. (laughs) That's going to take several of the internal organs off. (laughs) It's just, I just want to preface what you're about to hear with. It's the most catastrophically awful, worse than cats, horrific train wreck I've ever seen and I give it five stars out of five. Yeah. It, I, I mean, to say it's worse than Cats, the only thing that could have tipped it over perhaps is if James Corden had have turned up as a slightly, you know, like jaunty butler. Right, well, that's not going to work, is it? Okay? Look at you and look at me and you know, you know that I'm sensitive about my size. And look, I'm I surprised. was expecting it. I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't. Uh, but I know why, because it was it was meant to be a Broadway run. He couldn't commit that much time. But if that was a one-off, he would have been oh, there. He would have been cast, absolutely. 100%. So it was meant to open, obviously, uh, on Broadway, but then it got, obviously, Corona happened. And now it's still slated to open in November of this year. So Netflix filmed it much like they did with, ha- like much like Disney did with Hamilton. No audience. It was kind of eerie. And I really had no idea about this musical. I hadn't read any reviews. I'd seen a couple songs where she did a group number with AIDS patients where one of them sings the line, I may be dying, but at least I'm good looking. And <laughs> um, I really just didn't know what to expect. But from the opening number, <laughs> oh my God. I just, <laughs> all right, okay, okay, okay. So basically... Um, it's it was written it was written by the Bon Jovi keyboard player. Sitting here wasted wounded with this old piano. Yeah. 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 Who, who so, has written musicals before, as I understand it, wrote a, apparently a successful musical called Memphis. Which oh. I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with Memphis either. No, but apparently no. it was a success. It feels like quite a leap to go from that to this topic. And <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know where to start. So it basically follows Diana um, from her first meeting with Charles uh, through to her divorce and also the tragic death. And I just, I don't even know where to start. I'm so overwhelmed with this. So 
I just, obviously, a car crash, a death in a tunnel is not great for Broadway. Like, it's not a fun thing. It's not something, it's not your closing number. So we they, we really had to build up to this moment. And it's a two and a half hour long musical, Michael. It's it was not long. Like a- and I just want to declare up front, I haven't made it to the end. I felt like I had spent at least a decade and a half watching it and then we clicked and we weren't even at the halfway mark. It, it, it and- really, <laughs> it's a long musical. And I, I'm also, I'm unsure of, like, Who's the target demo for this musical? Who are they going after? Oh, drunk you and I is the answer to that. (laughs) And let's just say absolute bullseye. (laughs) So it opens with her singing a song by herself and then it's like a song, something called... um, uh, oh God, underappreciated or it's it's the most woeful opening number of just a woman standing quietly singing unremarkable or un... What's it called when you're underestimated? That's it. Yeah. The opening number is called Underestimated. Won't they be surprised when you're underestimated? And straight off, Chella and I were like, whoa. And then there's just this cavalcade of swing cast. There's only about ten of them. And it, it's very jarring when the cellist is suddenly playing the butler who's suddenly playing the nanny. He's, like the swing cast, they really were trying to save money. Oh, I have to say straight I, I just fully support the fact that Queen Elizabeth also played Barbara Cartland. I, I will not, you will not hear, I, you cannot <laughs> criticise that as far as I'm concerned. And one of those changes was very quick. I don't know how she did it. But she, she didn't do the queen. she didn't do the full Barbara eye makeup no, or anything like she that. She didn't. She didn't. She was my all the minute she was queen, and the next she was Barbara Cartland, who was uh, Diana's um, mother-in-law, sis, uh, great aunt. Yes, oh. which under, some some sort of relative. Yes, like that. But and she's I a romance I, novelist. I, I'm going to say I did not know that. I, I oh. learned that by this musical. I did not know that there was a relation there. I didn't think either of us would walk away saying, I learned this via this musical. I'm shocked that you've added that. I added learned that. a lot via this <laughs> what musical. Else did you oh, learn? Like, I, I, like, top line, maybe the human species, just let climate change play its course and we'll give the, we'll give the planet to another species. <laughs> I think that's the top line. No. Well, yeah, no. That, that so, was the only thing I learned about history, I've got to say. That oh, there was a okay. Barbara Cart- Cartland Diana yep. family relationship, yeah. Yeah, look, if you've watched the documentary The Crown, especially the latest season... So I can only imagine, hope, that you've come here to apologise. And can we just touch on, isn't it interesting how, with Diana, it was like we went 20 years and we thought not appropriate to do anything about her and Naomi Watts (laughs) tried once and we were like, no, 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 Naomi, stop it. But then all of a sudden we hit that 20-year anniversary of her death and it was like, okay, floodgates oh, open. Oh, let the pigeons loose. Yeah. Oh, my God. Chick from Twilight, we'll give you a movie, we'll do a TV series, we'll do a Broadway show. We just cannot stop with the Diana content right now. Wouldn't you be mad if you were the people who made the uh, Spencer, the new uh, Kristen Stewart Diana biopic that she's supposed to be nominated for an Academy Award for up against Gaga? Father, son and the house of Gucci. I mean, next year's a bumper year for the Academy Awards. Can't wait. But wouldn't you be angry? This thing has got 18 minutes standing ovations. It's still yet to hit. And the biggest Diana thing in the news right now is this horrible, horrible musical that some of the reviews, some of the headlines... Um, the filmed version, uh, maybe a Princess Diana musical wasn't such a great idea. Uh, the musical to watch if you hate yourself, one star. Like some of the reviews were just... <laughs> I, I dispute that because I don't hate myself but I still very much value the, the time I spend watching it. A right, Diana the musical, a right royal debacle, so bad you'll hyperventilate. But the thing is, I think 
it was the it was the idea the people that wrote the lyrics it was very Andrew Lloyd Webber 1980s vibe every second line had to rhyme they were just doing rhyming couplets and that was it and some of the lyrics if i may oh i've got um, a couple too oh good i mean they're probably oh, they're the same the same the, surely the, the paparazzi one <gasps> do it the wank the wank yeah. line yeah go 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 so she's, let's set the scene okay, set sorry. the scene set the scene set the scene oh you said it go Oh, it was just, it was, it was, she, she's, she's newly dating the prince and the paparazzi are all over her. And let's just say the paparazzi, de- they're, they're mysteriously, Adrian pointed this out, they're all Why wearing are they dressed trench, as 19- 1940s yeah. reporters, trench coats. Yes. Or I was taken aback to the Dick Tracy number in Madonna's uh, Blonde Ambition concert. That's what it felt like. A lot of people say I have, they say I have a lot of balls. But you know what? They're wrong. Because what I have is a dick. Thank you. That's what I said to my entire family. Why are they dressed like the Dick Tracy from the Blonde Ambition concert? This doesn't make sense. This doesn't line up timeline-wise. Thank you. We are the same person. Continue. Yeah, yes. they were just sort of in beautiful formation. And by beautiful, I mean absolutely nauseating formation and choreographed moves were sort of dancing around her, taking her picture in this one big number. And one of the lyrics was, better than a Guinness, better than a wank. Snap a few pictures, it's money in the bank. Oh, I mean, my God. And also I just want to say that they were singing in Codney accents as well. So you're getting a bit of Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins in there. It was it was Rocker Stedford. Oh, my God. Like awful, but amazing, amazing. It so entertaining. amazing. Like such, it's like a poor taste flash mob. Yeah. Put on by a high school. Like it was just extraordinary. And the, <laughs> better than a Guinness, better than a wank. Oh, oh. I've got some other ones. There was one where Diana turned up at Camilla's cousin's party and it turned... Did you get to their thriller in Manila between Diana and Camilla? Was this where they pseudo-boxed? Yes! Yeah. <laughs> it's a thriller in It's a thriller in Manila with Diana and Camilla, which isn't easy to sing, but they just did it because it rhymed. Oh. There was no other way. They have literally done this whole number because Miller and Camilla rhyme. That's it. Manila, Thriller, Camilla. I'm like, what can we do? What can we do? I know. (laughs) The motto behind this musical was rhyme at all costs. Rhyme before logic, rhyme before taste. (laughs) What about when she was leaning in over Harry's cot? My favourite. I love this. I loved it. I loved it. We were... Harry. I can't remember the melody, but I, I know I she's neither. saying, Harry, my ginger head son. Ginger head son. You'll, yep. always, you'll always be, be second, second to none. none. Oh, <laughs> so moving. Stunning, stunning. And but but the 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 best moment which had me like I, I had to pause it and just walk a quiet lap around the house to recompose was when James Hewitt arrived. When James Hewitt, who was Diana's lover, the, the one that was always speculated, is he Harry's father? They look very similar. And he bursts from beneath the stage astride a pommel horse, topless, singing, James Hewitt, James Hewitt. Like really, really high and just like, Topless, and that was a very deliberate decision. Someone in the production team's like, he needs to be topless. He needs to be topless on a pommel horse. Upon his entrance, I want him topless on a pommel horse, singing his name very high. I'm just like, oh, she's just gonna believe it. 
<laughs> I was peaking. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> it was so amazing. But the moment when she goes to visit the AIDS patients, was the, the, the men with AIDS who, it's a very famous moment, a very famous photo op where she didn't fa- put on the gloves and um, they're all sitting around and the one man dying of AIDS, literally dying, says, I may be unwell but I'm handsome as hell. Maybe unwell but I'm handsome as hell. So, so I just think, yeah. you know, priorities. But oh. to... To decide to do a group number around her visit to the AIDS hospice was just... Genius. But the end... I I haven't seen the end yet, so I'm intrigued to see how they handle that very, very difficult and traumatic last moment. I'm sure they do it with the dignity that it it absolutely demands. So think about the end of Hamilton. Okay, so the end of Hamilton... Everything goes yes, quiet. Yes, whisper. Yes, we go in and then we yeah. end with that poignant Eliza moment yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with her going, <gasps> yeah, gasp. Yes, the gasp, yes. Okay, so they tried to do this. All the cast appears, all the butlers, Charles, everyone, they're all walking. It's kind of very chess too, the way it's lit, backlit. And the back screen's open and it's like the, the heaven's doors have opened and Diana's walking towards it. And then they have all the news reports, Princess Diana, Princess of Wales, has been killed in a fatal car accident. And as she's walking into the light, they sing, the people who will change the world are not the ones you think will change the world. The people who will change the world are not the ones you think will change the world. It's so profound. <laughs> I want that hand stitched on a cushion, please. I'll be disappointed my... if I'm not resting on it next time at your house when we will be re-watching this. <laughs> Above my live life love, above my hashtag blessed, they ended this Broadway musical on the people who will change the world are not the ones you think will change the world. Couldn't think of a rhyme. Couldn't think of a rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 10 out of 10, would recommend... Absolutely shockingly appalling. Can I just ask, though, because I... Okay, so Netflix has bought this. And yeah. the thing about it is the people that made this musical, I think they've thought that to themselves, we'll sell it to Netflix and it'll drive more ticket sales for when... That's exactly but, why they did it, correct. I, I'm just going to say that people at Netflix knew that this is going to be an absolute camp, like, sort of... Uh, people aren't going to be watching this without a great deal of irony. This will not be... <laughs> viewed sincerely at all. No, no. And the people who have viewed it sincerely are very offended. But also... Like, if you read... Do you... Because I really feel like that... that, that, The actress playing Diana, I feel like she's really giving it and, and, and doing her absolute best. And I don't feel that the people on that stage are aware necessarily of how this new musical is going to be interpreted. And, and, and also, I do, I do think that that actress is... She's talented. She yes. can sing. She can sing. She's yep. got an amazing voice and yep. and she is finding the truth in the moments and those lines aren't helping her, but she's going for it. And Imagine having to sing Serves Me Right for Marrying a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And when Charles berates her for um, dressing in a certain way, um, for a start, don't dress like a tart. Yes! 
I know. Yes! I feel like the thing is Cats was an amazing shit show, but it was also kind of scary in a weird way. Yeah. Like it was kind of, it was hard. It was a hard watch as well. And and mm. and then we, for me as well, there's an interim step as well that was Christmas on the Square. That was also kind of uh, like terrifying. Christmas lights and snow all fights. There's a duffy oh, room. my eye! Friends and neighbours, cat and capers. Christmas on the Square. I won't have that. I won't have that from you. It's Emmy Award nominated. Okay. Oh, no, Emmy, she won. She won an Emmy for that. So. Well, and the, but the thing about this is it's never scary. No. <laughs> no, it's joyous. It's yeah, horrible. and it is. It, it, it. <laughs> <laughs> We're so taken aback. And also, <laughs> and also the other thing about it is we know we can, like, we, we have access to other retellings of Diana that have been sort of far better oh. executed. So it hasn't oh. ruined the tale of Diana no. for anyone. It is no. just something to enjoy at 1am after 15 yes. gins. Yes. But what you need to know is Marcella doesn't know the story of Princess Di. That Marcella blows hasn't my mind. watched Marcella hasn't watched the documentary The Crown. So this musical was her first introduction to the story and she had so many questions. She's like, what? What why is why is Camilla there? All, like, and why is and I said, babes, you need to watch the documentary The Crown, the last That's season, right. and then we'll have a discussion. But look, it's it's some people are very upset by it, like proper monarchists and royalists who love her and, and people who love Diana, and I understand why, but in my in my one of my great thrills in life is to be able to enjoy ironically terrible things that may not even be meaning to be ironically terrible and this made me feel really good mm. therefore i love it and i tell you michael we must make a pilgrimage to see it live oh i'll go we Babe. were there opening night of the bodyguard musical and <laughs> we need i'm telling you some at some point wherever it gets put on when we can do it it's a, must make it, it's a pact. It's a pact. Yeah. Chella is 21 next year, next October. That could be the 21st pilgrimage. I'm sure she'd be wrapped to spend it. I'm stepping it up. If it tours Australia, I'm making you audition for the Queen slash Barbara Cartland. Oh, how dare you? I'm too young. Okay, or you could play Diana. Or Camilla. Yeah, she's she's more the Rizzo of this production, isn't she? She's totally the Rizzo. So it's on Netflix if you want to watch it. Just, it's ridiculous. Like, you'll be watching it, but just look out for James. Appearing. Oh, you're, you're not going to piss him. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. All right, we're going to go away. We're going to come back and we're going to talk Adele. It's my one of my favourite topics this week. Okay. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right, so Adele on the front cover of are two Vogues simultaneously, UK Vogue and US Vogue. Did you see the photos? Yes. She, she, looks, she looks amazing. <sighs> it was breathtaking. She looks stunning. Mm. Amazing. Just like a, like a pin-up, like a 50s classic. It's so great. And then I read the article and <sighs> I had a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts about the things that she said. And, um, and there was one particular thing she talked about was the weight loss because obviously that was the thing that we were, she was gone and gone for ages, gone for ages. And then all of a sudden on her birthday, a photo went up and she was noticeably, she was half her size that, mm. that we had last seen her. And it became the most talked about thing. Like people in the shops, in the lines in front of me were talking about Adele's weight loss. It, it was nuts. And I think even she underestimated 
the impact it was going to have on people. Mm. Don't you think? Do you think she, I mean, she did. She sounded shocked. Mm. But she said, I understand, I understand why, <laughs> I, I'm definitely going to do her accent. <laughs> I understand why it's a shock. I understand why some women, no, I'm not going to do it. I understand why some women especially were hurt. Visually, I represent a lot of women, but I'm still the same person. And this bit I loved. The most brutal conversations were being had by other women about my body. I was very fucking disappointed with that. That hurt my feelings. <gasps> mm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, it was like where everyone felt like they had some sort of weird ownership and licence to just say whatever they wanted about their body. Yeah. And just because a certain celebrity makes you feel represented doesn't mean that then they must then stay the same way for all of time. Mm. If that person's life requires a shift or they want to do something different, it's not up to them to, you know, protect you from feeling let down by yeah. that. I think you it's almost say like it's just her body, not yours. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the whole ownership of an, uh, in the policing of a woman's body who wants to lose weight or gain weight or whatever, and I get wild when I see in, like, news.com.au or, or Daily Mail or whatever, you know, oh, um, M. Rada shocks in see-through gown or um, some, so-and-so's um, beach body or curves or like, you know, they, they make news stories out of women's bodies and I hate it so much. And the idea that people felt let down because Adele lost weight is wild to me. Mm. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, look, I, 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 I'd be completely lying if I didn't say that when I first saw those pictures that you didn't have a double take and be like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. um, and, and, you know, there's probably things to interrogate in that reaction. Why was it so startling and why did, you know, we were two of the people that were talking about it too. I hope without the same sense of. No, I felt like I got it. Like she got divorced when I separated from Scott, I have never been fitter or stronger or, like, more tight. I understand, like, wanting to somehow just – and there's a bit well, – Ironically, vigorously masturbating to Adele every night. To Adele, yeah. correct. And sometimes got every me, day. Got me through. But she said, um, it became my time. I thought if I can make my body physically strong – and I can feel that and see that, then maybe one day I can make my emotions and my mind physically strong. And I really relate to that because I was feeling so broken that I became, I started boxing. I was boxing at a gym where all the common cheros box, the mm. bikey gang. I would walk into a gym to my trainer who was terrifying, Jimmy. There was blood on the floor. There was no toilets for women. It smelled of urine. It's pre-COVID, as you can tell. <laughs> totally pre-COVID. And I loved it. And I was like, I was so sad and broken, but my body was strong and I looked strong and I would I would hit shit and I would like spit. I would spit. I never spit. I spat in this gym. And I understand the need to kind of, you know, toughen yourself up. So I kind of thought I, I really did enjoy that. But I, um, I watched her Instagram live, which was a chaotic mess. Oh, and an absolute joy. Oh, such a joy. It was so fun. Um, and a few people sent it to me saying, this reminds me of you. And I was like, I'll take that as a compliment. But um, we'll put a bit in now. Here's Adele doing her first ever Instagram live to her 90,000 billion followers. Can you hear my dogs? Oh my God. I don't know how to accept a request to be in the, in the video. Don't know how to do that, sorry. I would if I could. Oi, oi, 
Come here. Yes, I'm excited for Beyonce's next album. Are you mad? I love Taylor Swift. I love Doja Cat as well. Pat, teach me how to, um, teach me how to accept someone. Do I like PC music and hyper pop? I don't know. Do I? I just love it. I just love how the dog appeared. <laughs> but you know what? I have a weird reaction to it because I absolutely loved it too and I was reassured. But I think this is also, again, going back to our weird thing about the way people look because part of what I loved is I always remember Adele back in the day going on talk shows and she was just like that. And she was, you know, she she was bawdy and she was loose and she was honest and she had that accent and, mm. and she was not like any other celebrity and I really, really appreciated it. And isn't it terrible that since then I've mostly just seen her in pictures in magazine spreads looking incredibly glamorous and I suppose there was this friggin' part of my mind that thought is she still that same old Adele which is bizarre and then I watched that Instagram live and I'm like of course she is you fucking idiot of course she is the same person and that's just on you that you thought there was any sort of difference but nonetheless when I watched it I was like Oh, you're the, you're still the same person that we all fell in love with. It's but weird that I would even suspect. Yeah, it. it is weird. No, but it's weird that you want her to be. I know. Well, That's because the thing. because no, but here's the tricky thing: is because I did feel like there was immense value in having someone like her be one of the the she was the most and still is the most beloved celebrity in the world universally. Any generation, any person, grandma, toddler. Everyone can agree, like, you know, it, it, we're in the most divided world and yet there's one thing that we can all agree on, Adele. She yeah, is magic. Yeah, and Dolly. She's our generation's Dolly Parton. Yeah, mm. totally. You know, I I did think that there was something that was brilliant about that. that. And, the, and the fact that the most loved person in the world you know, wasn't, um, I don't know, was was someone that felt like that they were loose, they were themselves, they didn't feel self-conscious, that all of those sort of things was, felt felt great, felt great. But you, do you know what, I don't know, I just, when I hear things, you know how there's sometimes Instagram accounts spill the goss on celebs, people mm. who've worked behind the scenes with celebrities and they, <clears throat> is this celebrity nice, is this celebrity a bitch, is this celebrity... There are certain celebrities that if I hear they're unkind or a bitch or uppity or whatever, I'm like, good. That's what I expect. I don't I don't feel let down if a celebrity is a mean person. Do you know what I mean? Like if I hear that, say, I don't know, Chloe Sevigny, the actress, if I hear that she's a bit like aloof and cold and, and not very kind to people, I'm like, good. That makes sense for her. I'm but it wasn't, happy but it about wasn't, that. I wasn't loving that Adele was nice. I didn't think of her as being nice. I thought of her as being loose and unguarded and you don't know what's going to come out of her mouth, which is very mm. different from being nice. Mm. Like she would go on talk shows and talk about times when gusts of wind would, like she was just loose. The stories she would tell felt like stories you'd tell after three wines with your friends, not stories mm. that you would sit there on. Sure. And so, sure. yeah, I, I mean, she was nice. I suppose she was nice and I suppose she was warm, but um, it was more, there was also something that was a bit rough about it, which I loved. It yeah. felt like she was yeah. she was a bit pint and a half in at the pub, which was <laughs> <laughs> and she seemed like that on she, Instagram, yeah. even though True. she was clearly in a in yeah. a glamorous Beverly Hills mansion. That's how she oh, still yeah. seemed. I love that she's in a glamorous Beverly Hills mansion. The thing I did love, and we did talk about it on the podcast, where she um, was on holiday in Jamaica and had the country, the Jamaican flag on as a bikini top, you'll remember, and her no, that hair was, from, was in the, That was Notting Hill Festival, wasn't it? She, she, had, yeah. the, she had the Bantu knots. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Notting Hill Festival, and she had the Jamaican flag on with the, with the, with the Bantu knots, which is traditional, you know, yeah. white women shouldn't have that hairstyle. And... She's never taken that photo off her Instagram because I went and checked if it was still there and it is. And I was intrigued. And her explanation 
Every single influencer that has to apologise for anything, take note of what Adele said as to why she's left it up. She said, I could see comments being like, the nerve to not take it down, which I totally get. But if I take it down, it's me acting like it never happened. And I did it and I totally get why people felt it was appropriating and I didn't read the fucking room. And I love that she's, because so often, like someone makes a big mistake publicly, they apologise, they disappear for a month, they remove everything and it's never spoken of again. Yeah. And that's disingenuous and unfair to the victims of your behaviour. So, again, tick, 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 tick. Yeah, and also that post, she's left up that post and the comments and everything like that, which were a whole yep. narrative. And it, and it did turn into a, you know, all those sort of things end up becoming, I hate to use the phrase teachable moment. But, yeah, sometimes the first time, you know, you, like people, I'm sure there were plenty of people that have that instant gut reaction of why are people, she's clearly trying to honour that culture. Why is it oh, such yeah. a big problem? But the comments all distill, you know, why it is a problem. And and mm. um, so, yeah, I think I, I love that answer too. And, oh, and just, how good. And just yes. boiling it down to I didn't read the room because that's what, and, and and a lot of this new thing is, yeah, just we've got to accept when it comes to reading the room that there are more people in the room than we oh. used to think, you know, we were just denying that there were people in the room in the past, but yeah. they're there and... Um, Mm. And, I, mm. and I love that she phrased it that way. Now, speaking of... Ugh. Speaking of influencers. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> what a week. <laughs> what a week. What a week. I innocently and flippantly got caught up in a bit of a brouhaha this week. Um, <laughs> and there was a, a video was popped online. I blame Joel Creasy, actually. <laughs> I would never have seen this video if he hadn't sent it to me. Um, Sam Frost, actress on Home and Away, former Bachelorette, um, former radio host and all-round nice girl. Everyone who I who I know that knows her says that she's one of the kindest humans on the face of the planet. And I don't really know her. I know that I came after her on Breakfast Radio, so straight away the media tried to pit us against each other. But I just want to allay that straight away. I think she's a lovely human. That's all I've ever heard about her. I have nothing against Sam Frost. And she popped up a video saying that she was uh, very vax hesitant. A lot of you would have seen it. It went for five minutes and um, she talked about feeling segregated from society and, um, yeah, it blew up. It blew up. It blew up to the point where she had to kind of, she's nuked all her accounts, all her Instagram, uh, Instagram Facebook, uh, Twitter, all gone, so tempor- temporarily kind of scuffled. Mm for a bit because the backlash was pretty swift and profound. But um, it was a very damaging video. And um, I just tweeted a little innocent tweet with a meme underneath it and the tweet was something like, um, Sam Frost is a privileged white woman who worked throughout the pandemic. Watching her tearfully complain about segregation and being called brave by her followers is a new level of what the fuck I didn't know was possible. What the actual fuck? And there was a picture of David Rose underneath it and I thought it was pretty innocuous, to be honest. (laughs) (sighs) But uh, no, (laughs) it was not. And in the media, my my management were inundated with interview requests for me, like does anyone want to comment, does anyone want to comment? And um, Nick and Georgia, my managers, were like, no, she just tweeted one thing. She's got, what do you want her to say? Like, she's got no comment. There's no comment. She said her comment. She doesn't like the video. And um, it kept playing out and then it turned into I was the only person that apparently had a problem with the video and I was being unsupportive of women and bullying her on World Mental Health Day. 
Um, and I was abrasive and jealous of her. Um, what other things were written? I'm just a sad old fat bird. Um, oh. not, even f- not even funny. Uh, Em's just jealous of Sam because she's pretty and thin. Like there's all these things, right? All these things were playing out. And I just took me down for probably a couple hours. Yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing about it is people were sort of talking about criticise Sam, you know, criticise her actions and everything, but don't take her down as a person. And Mm. then the, but the interesting thing was when I think back on it later, and I'm pretty much, a lot of it came from the fact that you began by saying she's a privileged white woman. But the interesting thing is, it shows how much, uh, as white people, we are still incredibly, and we perceive, like, uh, unfortunately, or not, it, that is just a statement of fact. Like, mm-hmm. and, and and I'm a privileged white man, and and you're a privileged mm-hmm. white woman too. I'm a privileged That's white woman. Correctly stating what mm-hmm. she is and why it would be very tone deaf at best to use the word segregation. Um, mm-hmm. But it's but those words still are so loaded because. People perceive, rather than just what it is, which is a statement of context and mm-hmm. a fact, it's mm-hmm. perceived as a hideous attack. That and and we're still very thin-skinned about that sort of stuff. When someone just like like the whole notion of if you're not a privileged white person, then you've unfortunately lived your whole life with labels applied to you. We're mm-hmm. still incredibly uncomfortable with being. With being labelled, even if the label is just an accurate statement of fact, and 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 I feel like that was part, well, yeah, there were so many things at play in the response to it. There was also the fact that we just love to pit women against each other. God, we love it, especially famous women, famous mm-hmm. women that you know that you could perceive, and and the fact that you were on Breakfast Radio after her and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I think they were seeing perfect recipe for mm. a feud, mm. um, and there just isn't one. No, and. And turning this issue into a bitch fight is just really fucking trivialising a very serious thing that we are going through. And it was inaccurate and I never attacked her personally. I I didn't say anything, like, disparaging about her character. Like, there was was just nothing in there. It was, was, you know, it was benign and not as funny as perhaps I could have made it. You know, maybe that's the criticism, but that... The absolute onslaught and the uh, the way that the media were trying to spin it, and I started to feel really out of control. And then I started to see the, the tide turn and my community stepped in and I realised I didn't have to worry about defending myself because I have cultivated this incredible crew of individuals and you're listening now and you're one of them who have taken the time to get to know me, know my core values, know me as a person know what I stand for. And so when the media try to spin a certain thing because it suits them and their narrative, in the past, women like me have been powerless to that. We've just had to cop it. And now I can fight back in a way with these hundreds of thousands of people just going at these journalists and in the comments, I can see you all appearing because I've been keeping my head pretty low. And in the last two weeks, I've piped up on a few issues I don't know if anyone, no, unless people have noticed, I haven't really commented on much stuff. I've really just been keeping everything pretty safe because I felt scared and raw and exposed and like everyone, just not mentally able to handle any backlash. But for some reason, I don't know, I just, I feel like my old self again and I decided to take this issue on. 
And, well, and also it's, 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 we are literally talking about a life and death issue. That it is, is that life is and accurately, death. Accurately, yeah. that's just what it is. And, and especially for healthcare workers. I mean, it's all very easy exactly. to be talking about this in an abstract way yeah. if you if it's not something that is touching you in your day-to-day life that much, mm-hmm. but if mm-hmm. you don't have that luxury if you're on the front line. Mm-hmm. And 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 that is I mean, that's why vaccination's so important and that's why you can't let things like this slide without any response because, you know. No, and that was annoying the nurses on the front line, and I did a thing on my Instagram and I asked ICU nurses and docs, you know, what do you want people to know? If you're in a COVID ward, I'm giving you a direct line to the public. What do you want them to know? And so many of them were like, I cried when I saw that video. I'm exhausted. I'm working double shifts. I haven't seen my family. There was nurses who have rented a house so they don't, they haven't seen their kids in six months. Yeah. You know, they're living together to, to you know, mitigate any risk at all. They're exhausted, they're underpaid, they're not eating properly, they're depressed, they want to quit. And so every single time I would get one of these TMs, I put one of these messages up, it just kind of emboldened me to be like, no, nah, I'm going like, to keep pushing this vaccination thing because it's, <laughs> it is life or death. I have a son who can't be vaccinated and I'm terrified. I'm terrified of this thing because Elio is unprotected until he's allowed to. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a wild five minutes. <laughs> And, um, you know, it's it's done and I'll move on from it all and it's just all going to be on the internet forever and ever when Elio Googles me one day. And look, but, the, um, the, the, also, sideline, the happy news is we're giving, like there's a lot, if you looked at the media, you would think that we were having this enormously huge problem with anti-vaxxers, which too, I mean, I don't want to diminish what a problem it is, but our vax rates are really going well at the moment. And interestingly, in Sydney, People have seen how it has been vaccination that has led to that curve being bent mm. in the right direction. Now they're opening up, and this week it's been floods of people that have been delaying it have been getting it done. And we're going to like smash through ninety percent of the adult population vaccinated, which is great. Sometimes, sometimes when you hear so much reporting about anti-vaxxers, it, it feels like my God, what? A, but in actual fact, in terms of over sixteen of the population, it's going to be 90% plus easy. And thank God, thank God. (laughs) Oh, thank God. Because, guys, wait a minute. Let's end the podcast on the people who will change the world are not the ones you think will change the world. The people who will change the world Oh, the lyricism. It's just, (laughs) we're going. (laughs) All right, I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. This is Emsolation. Okay, that's it. Hope you enjoyed that. If you're not going off to watch Diana the Musical now, I don't know. Can we even be friends? (laughs) But I'm warning you, it's really bad but it's so good. Uh, don't forget, you can get the Emsolation merch at mrussiano.com. I, today, am wearing my stunning Emsolation T-shirt. And follow us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. The newsletter goes out on Thursdays, done by the delicious Ben Wosley. And, um, you know, that's all I have to say. It's been a long old podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it, got something out of it. 
And until next week, I feel like I'm forgetting to tell you something. Oh, I can't tell you who or really talk about it yet, but we've got our first sponsor. <laughs> I know a lot of you have been hearing Soda Stream ads, but that's just like a generic Spotify thing. We now have a big company that has said, hey, Emsolation, we love you. We're going to put our product in you. So that's good. The more sponsors we get, the more likelihood that Spotify is going to keep us on. So this is big news, guys. So when you hear the ad, you'll be hearing me voice it. You be like into that ad. You listen all the way through. You go and comment. You go and find that company and you say, hey, good on you for sponsoring that podcast. Because, you know, look, it's pretty wild in here. <laughs> Got to be brave. It's a big company. It's a legit company. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. All right, gang, have a great weekend. Bye. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn at Entente Music. With videos by Liam O'Brien. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Plus occasional technical wizardry, wine, and coffee from M's dad, Vincent. Get more Emsolation by following the Emsolation podcast on Instagram, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can join other Emsolators at the Emsolation group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you love what we do, share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. Thanks for taking time out to listen to this week's episode, and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Listener.